And that will be £17.48, please, Mr Vettel. Do you have a nectar card? Um, yeah, somewhere here. It's worth finding it. We've got a promotion on today. If you've got enough on your card, you can win a prize. Oh, here it is. Lovely. Now, let me see. Oh, I'm sorry. It seems like you're only one point short. This is Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the Gareth, he's the Richard. Hello. He's the Zog. Hello. And I thought we'd talk about the future because, well, we do that from time to time. (laughs) There's no two ways about it. As long as time's arrow insists on travelling in this universe where causality means that stuff happens after the thing that made it happen. Although the mathematics of general relativity, there is no difference between the forward and back directions along your time axis, so there's no reason for one to be preferred over the other. Well, that's it for Gareth Jones on Speed. Join us next week while we talk about something which hasn't already happened. Join us next week for last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how it works? Sorry, we can't serve you. We got off to a rocket start this time. I can't remember remember the time which we've done a programme and got into general relativity in less than 30 seconds. That's the time dilation effect for you. Anyway, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I do know. I literally... I, I can't think about time. <laughs> it makes my head... It's just one of those things that I genuinely don't God. understand. That's I mean, the time dilation no, effect! I don't even understand what he very... said. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> okay. I don't understand. No, don't explain no, no, no. it. I'm really worried we'll have the relative You know if you run later. something too hot, like a computer or a car or, or almost anything... It uh, it'll just go pop and yeah. it'll stop yeah. working. If I start thinking about time too much, I'm really worried that my brain will just go pop and then I'll have to jab a little paper clip yeah, into no, the reset yeah. hole because... <laughs> it, it, it is, no, it's, it's, it's tricky stuff. So, it's so, really, I mean, I understand, you know... Obviously back to the future. Don't, don't, let's not talk about it. How <laughs> very good. Oh, back to one. the future. Yeah, I, very good, very good. All right, should we talk about sport rather than cars first? Should we talk about Formula One, the future of Formula One? 2014 rules are more or less settled. We know they're going to be a uh, little one and a half Cylinder engines, six cylinder engines, yeah. turbos. <laughs> Somehow, hmm, I think that might favour Renault to some extent. I think they might what, do just a little because they were quite good at it before. Yeah, yeah. that's a good reason, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, no, no, well, if you want to really stop Renault having any success in Formula One, you should insist that all of the cars were large executive cars. That stuff <laughs> immediately Renault would it. fail catastrophically. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. the F1 See Laguna, also Peugeot. yeah, <laughs> or Fiat. Yes. Yeah. In fact, any European manufacturer that isn't Teutonic in base. Uh, yeah. 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 Although the Ferrari engine launch of FEMA. FEMA, was it? Yeah. FEMA 8.32. Yeah, oh, stop it. You've set me off again, haven't you? I just, uh, yeah, I just wrote a thing. Five second hand, your first service you? bill. Yeah, just a little thing. And uh, I, was, I was doing a little bit of research into it. And one of the funny things about that car is that it was barely, if at all, faster than the Thema Turbo. Why? Which had a little force. So just because, I suppose, extra weight. And actually, An that engine, you'd imagine that, no, it was a manual, but was it's it? a three-litre Ferrari V8. Hmm. It was quite heavily modified over the one from the 308 to mm. the extent that completely different crank amongst other things and it ran in the opposite direction to make it suitable for being put in the front of a front wheel drive car rather right. than in the middle oh, okay, of a rear yeah. wheel drive car yeah. and there are some stories that I could never get to the bottom of that those engines were so different to the ones in the Ferraris they had to be built on an entirely separate production line at Ducati 
but I've never got to the bottom of whether. So it was basically a very sensible, right. cheap. Yeah, exactly. Sort of and the thing is that, that it wasn't actually super powerful. I forget the figures now, but it was sort of two hundred and ten horsepower or something like that. I forget now. I might be wrong, but it wasn't as if it was sort of mm. rippling with four hundred and eighty horsepower. Let's find out, yeah. girlfriend. Girlfriend, can you look something up for us on the electric computer over there? The Lancia, or Lancia, Thema, T-H-E-M-A, 8.32 BHP. Let's find out what the power output of that car was. Can we have a drum roll, please? Yeah, here it comes. We can have this. We go live to Google. And can we have the scores from Germany, please? (laughs) From Italy. This exact format was the basis of a game show that a friend of mine came up with, which I think has been commissioned for some cable channel. Where well, getting people to do Google yeah, searches you know, the, for whatever the, comes uh, into your head. The contestants had to think of questions, knowing the answers in their head. Right. And then the other people would try and guess it. And then they had a person there who would check it. The adjudicator. In fact, it was, it was piloted oh. on... Uh, we have an answer? Uh, what are you well, Richard remembers about 210. I think he's about... Yeah. He's right. Good lad. 212. Well that's done, Richard. Yeah. That's so why you're on this show. 10 points. Thank you. Well, there and we go. you so get to I go first won the round on my friend Paul's show. Lovely. So, what were we talking about? Oh, the, yeah, the future. Yeah. The future. <laughs> not very fast. Oh, no, I was going to say, Lancia Thamer 832, not very fast. And the future is definitely not putting <laughs> V8s in the front of front-wheel drive executive cars. If you're a Formula 1 team, it's probably one and a half litre V6. <laughs> I like that idea. But Ian, I read a very interesting interview with Gordon Murray the other day. Gordon Murray of Lotus? That'll be the chap. The fabulous and talented designer of many great F1 cars of the past. The mm-hmm. designer of the McLaren F1. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and recently, the designer of the T25 and T27. Something um, about which, Gordon Murray and the McLaren F1, because it's often assumed that Peter Stevens, who's a very talented designer of the exterior and interior of cars, a stylist, you might call him, did the McLaren F1. But actually, most of the look of that car was done by Gordon Murray and he got Peter Stevens in just mm. to sort of do the final detailing because quote unquote Peter's better at drawing wheels than I am oh. <laughs> yeah because so, they originally had square wheels I don't know <laughs> <what>. <laughs> exactly. or triangles very experimental but yeah. yeah so he's not just an engineer but he fancies his hands as a pencilman as well you were saying well, so. were, apart from the interesting stuff he was saying about the manufacturing side of the T25 and T27 and how actually the eye stream process the clever manufacturing process that goes with the design is the really clever thing rather than the what is the principle of ice cream can you summarize Um, it it's essentially a manufacturing process that involves rather than having for example a lot of very sort of heavy industrial machinery on site stamping and pressing a lot of metal and you know making all that kind of stuff you're bringing together components pre-painted body panels from external suppliers work that's done with the metal on site for example is in principle much simpler processes bending and welding and fairly simple processes rather than the heavier stuff outsourcing that is a part of it but the other part is having much simpler assembly and manufacturing processes on site so that you can set up your factory to make your t25s your t27s at a significantly lower cost to a traditional car manufacturing plant, I think. Now, the problem yes. they've got here... It sounds like a revolution, does it? Well, it's well, sort no, of quite no, clever, no, intelligent no. designer way of sort of changing the process. Now, the thing is that these cars, this is C225, and then the electric one is a T27, That's right, yeah, yeah. Gordon Murray has no intention of making it a production car himself. No, yeah. He's licensing, he's licensing it the idea. Other people he's licensing the idea. So and nobody buys it, it will never happen. Yeah. But the thing is... 
we've talked about this a little bit on the show before about like an Apple car or yeah. some other sort of well, Virgin. Google car, Virgin, you know, yeah. people, uh, certainly big corporations, but who market themselves as a bit groovy and kind of yeah. down with it and radical. And those three probably be with three great examples. One of... Liberal Democrats. Well, maybe. <laughs> But the cars themselves, they will need to be bought by somebody, and I don't think it would be an existing car company, yeah. because they are so set up in the main to stamp out yeah. metal mm. boxes in huge factories. Yeah. To completely rejig their production processes mm. right now would be incredibly expensive. Yeah. And They'd have to throw away a lot of what they've been Everything that they've learned, doing. that's yeah. right. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why Gordon Murray is saying this is actually quite a revolutionary thing he's come up with here. That mm. It's, it's uh, making manufacturing you know, available to it, non-manufacturers. Yeah, it, it makes the barrier of entry to becoming a car manufacturer much, much lower. Yeah. And that is a significant difference. It's potentially a mini-revolution. We're also seeing other manufacturing technologies coming along, maybe, that perhaps 3D printing and how 3D printing, which listeners may know is this process by which, you know, you may have seen small sort of plastic resin kind of items that are made in 3D printers where you've basically got something like a tank of clear liquid which can be set using ultraviolet light, laser beam, things like that. And essentially you build up in layers from the bottom of your tank, you build up a solid plastic shape. And it's a very useful technique for that could be prototyping. A shape. It could yeah. be hollow. You yeah. could, you, I mean, some people have actually used 3D printers to make structural components, effectively custom-made plastic structural components. Jay Leno, I believe, uses a 3D printer to prototype metal bits for his old car collection that he then gets a machine shop, especially as a mechanic, to make in metal, and he uses the 3D printing, you know, because he's a bit of a geek, he can do this stuff. He can make that little shape with his 3D printer, and he can check that it fits, it's the right thing, and when he's happy with it, he takes it off to the machine shop. And in fact, this 3D printing technology has now evolved to a point where, or there's a new variant on it, which is 3D printing with metal. Airbus, EADS, have started manufacturing some components using 3D printing in metal. So they've got so this a, is a powder in a liquid or something, and then you zap it with something, and then it creates a shape. I don't know. Right, okay. okay fair sorry, answer, yeah. Short answer, I don't know. I know it is a process where they turn metal powder into a solid thing, and it's not sintering in a mould. It's not that process that you know you may know of where you basically pack metal powder into a mould, heat it, and you yeah. then get a solid thing out. Yeah. No, that, it's not that. It's, yeah, it, layer it, by it, layer. it's some form of layer by layer building up a. Well, this is, I mean, what's interesting about this is that you don't need a mould, you don't need a press, you don't need a die. Yeah, yeah. All these normal All those expensive, ways of wasteful things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wonder what sort of metal you're using here, whether it only works with very high grade aircraft and or whether there's some other thing they're doing here Good and point, what yeah. kind of shapes it can do because on a more sort of normal level and perhaps more relevant to a lot of people are listening to this as cars get older and you've got some beloved old car and you find that suddenly you can't get the bits for it. you particularly mm. even like panels you suddenly find you know you're a massive aficionado of I don't know something a little bit obscure Morgan three-wheelers yeah or, um, no, no, that's from the actually, 50s and 60s are sort of almost a bit too mundane to be really careful with an owner's car I don't know, Vauxhall Viva or something yeah. like that and they rotted away but you love your Viva and you need a new front wing for it because it's got a bit dinged now at some point in the future assuming it doesn't have to have your front wing made from aerospec aluminium but mm. something a little more prosaic and affordable you can at least 
hold out some hope that they could use a 3D printer to print you a new wing. Yeah, I think... Rather than having to just scour scrapyards or hope that some ex-Voxel dealer turns up a load of them in the back of their garage. You'd still mm. have mm. to scan the existing wing with a laser and just give you a 3D. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, unless yours is well, the only car left. There are yeah. other Vivas on the road. You just yeah. need to ask nicely yeah. to Terry from the club yeah. and uh, can I borrow a front wing off you, Terry? And then scan it in. I'll take it to the Airbus factory, actually, and then and they can make... Mm-hmm. And then exactly, you go, yeah. Would you like one as well? Well, no, but Clive needs one for his Viva, and then why not? Yeah, that's certainly a possible that's future. Thing, is it would be fiercely expensive to have a new wing pressed because you have to have the, the dies dies cut to make made. it. Yeah. Whereas, not whereas a three D printer is a generic thing that can produce any shape, anything yeah. as long as it's you know smaller. Well, than I mean, Terry, I think actually I've always fancied slightly more flared arches on my Viva. Could you do that for me? <laughs> yeah, I'll easily. Just the machine there. And, but yeah, theoretically, I would imagine you can leave gaps. You know, if you're printing something, you can leave a gap which says "Don't print here" for the width of one molecule. You could therefore, in theory, build an internal combustion engine with the piston and the crank and the conrod already made in one printing sweep. Two reasons why I think that might not work, just off the top of my head. First of all, no surface treatment for any of the bits. And, and, you know, you very often in in engines need surface treatment on some of the metals. Secondly, you tend to have different metals rather than it all being made of a single metal. Yeah. And thirdly, I don't know about tolerances. You'd have to take it all apart again, wouldn't you, because you'd need to put piston rings and things in. Uh, Yeah, again, the different metal stuff. There's a lot of different materials, you're right. Yeah, I don't know, but I think that this kind of technology, 3D printing, is probably intrinsically best suited to single things, a single continuous block of stuff rather than intricate interlocking mechanisms which an engine So at the moment 3D printing might be able to produce let's say a spanner but it couldn't do a ratchet spanner Probably not but um, Or scissors yeah. But I can't say I really know, to be honest. Well, if you are a 3D printer and you <laughs> fancy knocking us up some Gareth Jones on speed scissors do get in touch I'm glad that wasn't your 3D printing fantasy knocking us up, because I thought, yeah. that could, that could <laughs> be really bad. I, I don't want to get knocked up, up by a 3D printer. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, be a great fit, though, sport. wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> here you go, sir. One front wing for a Vauxhall Viva. Next. Yes, sir. I'm here to pick up a bonnet from Mark 1 Scirocco. Mark 1 Scirocco bonnet. Here you go. Next. How can I help you, sir? I'm here to collect the paddle I ordered. The name's Johnson. Oh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, here we go. Look, I'm sorry, mate. We've been having some trouble with one of the printers. This hasn't come out right at all. It's got some strange creases in it. And the shape's just, well, weird. I can't even work out what car you've ordered it for. That's a TR7. Oh, my mistake, Mr. Johnson. It's come out perfect. I did this thing on Twitter called Cars I Haven't Thought About for a While, uh, simply because every now and again as a car geek, something passes through your mind and you want to share that, because, oh yeah, you enjoy thinking about that. It's obscurism, is what it is, you know, and the more obscure the car, the better. I think I've talked about things like the Panther 6, I think, got a mention, and the IAD Alien got a mention recently, Ooh. which warmed my heart. Do you remember the IAD yes, Alien? I do. Yeah, I love the IAD stuff. Yeah. have done for 30 
30 years or more now, I suppose. What happened to IAD? Did they get bought by Deu? That's right, and the Worthing right. Centre became Deu's UK Development Centre. Deu went bust, so what happens? Absorbed by GM. But is, it still, is that Worthing Technical Centre still yeah. going? Yeah, is I think it? so. Look, Richard's now doing. I was going to ask Violet to look this up, but you picked up your machine. You check him. Carry on talking while okay. I sit down. Okay, Richard's doing some homework. We're supposed to be doing cars I haven't thought about for a while thing, you see. And it's Richard's turn to speak about the car. While Richard's on the computer there, why don't I offer my suggestion? The Citroen Light 15, which... Um, you love... You, but you think that, about the car all the time. Well, no, but I realised it hadn't been on my mind recently. Oh, OK, And, and, when, and when you raise the post, you know, in a car you sort of thought recently, I realised that I haven't seen any around. Because over the years of living in London... Yeah. Um, There's one in, in Highbury. London, I have seen them around actually reasonably... Yeah. Quite often. You know, yeah, there's one in Battersea as well, I remember. There used to be a couple parked just off the A41 up in North London. There was a spot on the South Bank that used to have a whole bevy of them. But, you know, it had been sort of, you know, out of mind for a while. Um, Why do you love that I was surprised so that I, It's beautiful in itself. There's an interesting engineering and history angle on it in that it was the first front-wheel drive family car, essentially. You know, and it's a 1930s design, not a 1960s design. So it's a wonderful bit of forward-looking French design. And then it's got these wonderful cultural associations. It's a French detective's car. It's the car in Diva. What's not to it, love? It was a very modern... Modern? Did you like the way I modern, said it? Modern ah, car. So I see what you did there. That's very clever. I mean, it didn't look like a modern car. Unusually for Citroën, who often do very futuristic designs, it had some genuinely futuristic engineering. Did it hurt? Was it one of the first cars to have fully independent suspension? Am I making that up? You know more about uh, it I'm me. not sure about the rear axle. I mean, the front, sure. But it looked not sure traditional. About that, it looked yeah, like I mean, a car you know, of its age. It's got running boards down the side, which then swoop up over the front wheels in your classic, you know, 1930s fenders over the front wheel. As you say, externally, a pretty, I suppose, generic... It's very long wheelbase, though, which gives it a certain yeah. sort of... Yeah, elegance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Yes. No, I think so. You might have already said that. Sorry, I was no, busy, yeah, no, no, busy no, no, looking no. up the... And, the thing, and that classic Citroen thing where when the wheels turn, they also get camber and cant as well, don't they? You see Light 15's sort of traction of odds going round corners, yeah. and it looks like they're, like, they're, they're a motorcyclist leaning in, mm. you know? Well, it's often mm. to do with Ackerman geometry. Oh, there, that's a word. You know, thank you. That's not a sentence I've heard for a while. I'm shaking and his head. Do you know... Uh, have you noticed uh, the uh, of modern cars modern Mercedes seem for reasons I've never had a chance to ask anyone who might know these to have pretty extreme E-class. Ackerman yeah, geometry yeah, look yeah, at yeah, any modern Merc yeah, uh, well yeah, C-classes yeah. and E-classes particularly I'm not sure about the S but you look at them on full lock and their yeah. wheels really cant over like Citroens used to do yeah. and mm. I don't know why it is Mercedes particularly seems to pursue this sort of Ackerman geometry when other people have moved away yeah, from it I'm, it's I'm such tr- an extreme manifestation of it anyway and why is it this is I think unrelated but why is it that when I see any of those pictures of cars which have been modified to have really stupid camber angles on the wheels really ridiculously splayed out wheels it's usually a Mercedes why is that? Well maybe that's related maybe when you drop them to that degree they naturally splay I don't oh, know mm. if you're a suspension engineer do get in touch and let us know also if you're get a suspension Telford engineer and you used to work for Deu at their Worthing Technical Centre um, <laughs> get in touch and let us know because as far as I can work out from just looking on the internet the Worthing Technical Centre was sold to TWR was he? And it was down there that TWR were pursuing a lot of their road car projects, including their work oh, for MG all... Rover. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, yeah. it seems to be that the place has closed down now. But I can't really find any reference to what might have happened to it or who might have bought it. So that final if TWR. anyone knows, 
let us know that final TWR MG Rover thing which had the cute sort of rear hatch thing going on do you know the one I'm talking about it was the last rover never to be born oh what was it called it was a concept we, we saw pictures of it was that done by them that's what, not the MG. You know, the one you mean was like based the TF, on the Italian the TF Coupe. Italian no, not the TF Coupe. It was it was a coupe. hatch, a five door hatch. I'm what, that, to... Like that that show car, the what was it called? Um, TCV. Yes, yes, the it. TCV. Well, was it called no. that? Like, yeah, they had three initials. It was like TCF. a really ordinary looking five door hatch. It looked like a sort of Vauxhall. It had a good back end though. I thought yeah. something quite original about like the back it, end. Well, it was a bit like a Lexus RX. Was that one of theirs? No, that was done. Well, it was designed by Peter Stevens. Him again. I think it was built by a company in Norfolk. Anyway, or was it? Anyway, this doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But again, if you know more, do get in touch. What a bizarre plea for just random information this has become. It may work. Motorsport now, and former F1 champion Kimi Raikkonen has today called a press conference, believed to be to announce his intention to return to the sport. Our reporter Dan Skidmore is there now. Dan, any news? Well, Julie, as we speak, Kimi Raikkonen is walking on stage. Let's listen to what he has to say. So, Dan, is Kimi Raikkonen returning to Formula One? Um, no idea. can't wait to hear Richard what your cars you haven't thought about for a while is can we do some guessing before you actually say you yeah say, go on yeah? give it a stab it's guessing bear in um, mind I'll tell you now the reason that I suddenly thought about this car again was that I was in a petrol station the other day yeah filling up there was one on the opposite side of the pumps so you immediately know it's something you might see on the road it wasn't a Bugatti Royale really like a, a or the Muscovich Pink Panthers or, car uh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it wasn't a space shuttle <laughs> so hey, guess away is it British no oh Mm. Oh, hang on then. Well, you have to assume I think about obscure old British cars on a pretty much daily basis. This is something I hadn't thought about for a while. Okay, can we know that? Japanese, perhaps? Yes. Uh, A Honda? No. Uh, A Toyota? Oh, okay, Toyota Crown Super Saloon or something. No, but I've just thought of the Toyota Century again. Mm, You are. (laughs) Anyway, carry on. Um, Mm. It's Japanese. uh, Japanese. Is it the GTR? No. Is it a Nissan? No. Is it a Toyota? No. Is it a Mazda? No. Is it a Daihatsu? No. Is it an Auto Zam? No. That's what? Part of, that was part of Mazda. That was. A, no. Yeah. Is it no. a uh, or a Unos or a Z? Uh, Unos. Is it that a sub brand of one of the aforementioned manufacturers, i.e. Scion? No. Oh. Was it a uh, Suzuki? Oh. No. Was it a um, uh, Subaru? Um, yes. Ooh. It was the SVX. Yes, it was. Oh, yes! I should have said that so loud earlier 
So I haven't thought about okay. the Subaru SVX You can edit the show while. so that you do. Oh, yeah, I love those windows. Well, you know yeah. why I love it, don't you? Well, that's the thing, and I was standing next to it, and I could see it across between the pumps, and I was given a very good view of that unique glazing that it has, and it looked great. Classic. And then a sort of older gentleman got into it, and I was quite surprised he didn't look like a man who would have a Subaru SVX. Is it but I'm not entirely those? sure what a man who has a Subaru SVX looks like. Uh, hang on, hang on. Well, 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 always has that slightly sort of perspex yeah, shield over, but, uh, but yeah. just in front of the door pillar, doesn't it? So oh, no, no, not on those, because I no. think it was all sort of pretty flush. It almost had like a, the, the whole roof line looked kind of like a canopy. Yeah. And then the bits of the window that dropped were sort of set into that. And A theme which Shajara returned to in the NASCAR. Do you yes, remember that did. concept? Remember yeah. That. I think I know somebody that used to have one of those, actually. Really? I think, I oh. think. I'm now, it was an unusual car because it had a flat six. Yeah. Hmm. A boxer six. But in Britain, at least, it was only sold with an automatic gearbox. So maybe an older gentleman getting into it is no surprise because it was a bit of a luxury cruiser, not well, a sports car. I consider I myself, now that I'm 50 and two months old, an older gentleman. And I would love... I, actually, I thank you for that because I haven't thought about the SVX for a long time. Really? And that was a car I was very fond of. Gigero design. Mm. Of course. I mean, you know how much I love Gigero. OK, let's remind people of what this car was all about. Like you said, a flat six. It had this unusual sort of almost glass bubble canopy with sections in the side windows which opened. The whole side window didn't open. It just had a panel that opened, if I remember right. Mm. And it had this lovely rear treatment of the way that the rear window sort of blended into the boot line with a sort of a kick-up thing going on yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of had something of an air of the sort of, was it, Nissan... 200 SX. The front is a little bit more futuristic. It was futuristic. Thin headlights, very thin taillights that stretch right on the car. In those respects, quite ahead of its time. It was kind of sort of Nissan 200 SX meets Logan's Run. What Um, year was it? Well, the one I saw, I think it was on a private plate, but SVXs were about 92. They weren't imported for that long. Probably sort of 92 to 94 or 5. The one I saw was sort of like a a burgundy-ish colour, dark red. Now, Mm. here's the weird thing. Mm. It was designed by Gyro. Mm. And I'm talking about this sort of rather obscure Japanese coupe from the 90s. But in the same petrol station, there was an even more rare car, which I think was also designed by Gijaro. Do you remember ISO? ISO mm, I should prefer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, ISO did a saloon car. The, don't tell me, don't tell me, my mate Rob had one. It wasn't uh, called it, the Revol- My Mate Rob. Revolta. No, I'm talking about the ISO Fidia. Oh, I don't know. Which was a saloon. Uh-huh. And I've never seen one before. I think John Lennon had one. We were talking about John Lennon before we started uh-huh. recording. But yeah, I think John Lennon had one. But around the time, he probably then had to imagine he had no possessions and sold it again. But, <laughs> and yeah, interesting. Looks uh, sort of a bit like a Maserati Quattroporte and yeah. very gentle interceptor. Yeah, sort of. No, the, the original Quattroporte, sort of very long, low. Not looking guys, a weird window line where it's sort of normal and then on the back doors it just goes dink and kicks up yeah. in a way that isn't yeah. entirely satisfactory. But I think, and I have to double check this, that that car was also designed by Gigiallo. In his junior days. In his junior days yeah. in Bettoni, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I should say this petrol station was just near the Goodwood Revival and I was on my way home uh, from that. So there was an explain as well as some tasty cars in there because it was also mm. a Ferrari 328 filling up and that was kind of ordinary by comparison it really was out of the way Magnum I'm trying to look at the yeah. ISO <laughs> over there and then enjoy more of this Subaru SVX it was Burgundy it, you said it was yeah, yeah, SVX, yeah. 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 No, I know a lot of them seem to be silver but yeah. those ones my friend Matthew did have it was an SVX 
But it was it was cream. It was that was why I was wow. colour because it was like a sort of uh, cream uh, colour. There was a period yeah. where every single Gijaro or Ital design concept car was silver. They only mm. did them in silver, mm. and there was a very good reason for that. I can't remember what it was. They well, when they do styling paint. models, <laughs> yeah, probably they do styling models of cars. They always paint them silver, mm. or more often than not, they paint them silver just because it, it doesn't well, the, temper your opinion either way. Yeah, and, and I guess yeah. maybe Gijaro just they used to doing all their cars silver for clients. Yeah, well, there's also a, off, I, I can see that there could be a real benefit to being consistent in the colour that you do mm. your own prototypes in because yeah. you're then not going to suddenly think oh version B is more popular with our focus group if you keep the colour constant you're going to know that it's the design that they're responding yeah. to rather than yeah, yeah. a better colour okay ask me let's play the game right what is the car I haven't been thinking about for a while do you think you could guess you guys think? is it from the 70s yeah it is yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. is it Italian no is it Welsh? <laughs> no, because you know I think about that car all the oh, okay, time. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Like Gilbert in, uh, in Invader. Yeah, yeah I do it, think about that all the time. Uh, is it American? No. Well, you had to think about yeah. that. Uh, suggests- only because my brain wasn't in gear. No, it's definitely mm. not American. So there's no link with an American or ever sold in America. Okay. I don't think. Okay. No. Okay. no. Is um, it German? No. Is it French? No. <laughs> is, is, it ja- is it Japanese? Hey, yes, it is Japanese. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we're getting somewhere. Toyota 2000 GT. No. No. <laughs> um, I know. I know. What? What? Oh. What? It's TV's You've been sleeping with this man. You can't tell me if he's been speaking to sleep. You're going to know the answer. That's cheating. It's probably wrong. Is it the FTO? No, it's not the. And you know I love the FTO. I you were. I went out to buy an FTO when I bought this Sora. I went out to buy an FTO, but I didn't. No, good guess, though. Isn't there nope. the FTO where there's like almost none left in Japan because it will be important? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. With crazy silences. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it's uh, about as far removed from the FTO as you could be for a Japanese. Car. Uh, is it one of those microcars? Yes. Oh, it's a Suzuki Cappuccino. Suzuki Whiskey. It's the correct oh. answer. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, I've not thought about a Suzuki Wizkid until you just mentioned that. Yeah. Golly. The Suzuki Wizkid, or to be more correct, the Suzuki SC100, and in the Britain it was the SC100GX model, which mm. came with lots of spec, like a cigar lighter and stuff. You know the car I'm talking about? A little rear-engined key car, mm-hmm. a Japanese micro mm-hmm. car. In Britain it had the uh, engine that went in the Alto, or the, one of the Suzuki vans, which is like a, a four-cylinder, one-litre engine. In Japan they had a... When you say van, you mean, you mean that tiny Suzuki van? Yes. Yeah. In the UK, the GX... Now, you mustn't look it up here, because I want to reveal something about this car, which you will I'm find. Just gonna, the reason I've got my computer is because you know yeah. there's that website, How Many Left? Yeah, 39. Oh, oh you've checked? Of course. Wow. Mm. Are there any for sale? Uh, yes, there are. I've, I've looked that up as well. Dude. You go to the Suzuki website, the fan club website. There was one for 200 quid. There was one what? for 3,500 quid. There was one for 1,500 quid. That's quite a price range. I'd, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I'd, and they're all rumours. I'll go for the 200 quid one. Exchange of Mart hasn't got any. Auto Trader hasn't got any. But the Suzuki fan club has. I've always had a passion for this car, as I had for that little Honda N600 was it called the N600 the tiny little orange thing my dad had a passion for this car as well he used to have a Ford Cortina estate he said one day he would buy one of these with a trailer but here's the shocking thing without looking it up Richard and Zog what years was this car available in Britain do you remember? Off the top of my head. Oh, look here. There's one on uh, Car oh, and Classic. How much? Oh, there it is. Well, it doesn't say a price, but it does rather look like there's not 
entirely all of it. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. No front yeah. end. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you know, but you've got all the metal there. That's yeah, just, just okay. cosmetic bit you need to put on. You need a grill, you need a bumper. Imagine, well, here yeah. we go. We need to get back to our. That, um, yeah, this is where you have a bit of 3D printing, printing comes I in. need a grill for my whiz kid. So, uh, the, the, what year? Uh, yeah, go on. From memory, yeah. I think it was about. 78 to 83, something like that, would have been on sale in Britain. I'm going to go a bit longer than that. I was thinking late 70s, so I'm going to. I'll go with you 78. I'm going to raise you a couple of years on the other end. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go 78. 85. It's interesting, I'd have gone, if anything, I think it's one of those cars that might have been brought to Britain in for sake of argument 78, but was actually on sale in Japan from like 75 or mm. something. Gareth, do you know the answer to yes, this? Yes, I do, yes. It originally appeared in Japan as the Suzuki Cervo or Cervo, I don't know how you pronounce mm. it, C E R V O, from about 1972. No. Yeah, really? Yeah. But in the UK, the 100GX, the car we called the Wizkid only mm. in the UK, was 79, Oof. not 8. Very good. But only until 82 when oh. stocks ran out. And there was a waiting okay. list for them. They sold like hotcakes and helped establish Suzuki in the UK as a mm. brand. How it was, was that? Uh, endorsed that car by LJK Setright. That's right! Yeah. Yeah. That's right! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a man of enormous wisdom, generally. Hmm. Although almost yeah. impenetrable writing to a precocious yeah. ten year old trying to read car magazine, and I had no bloody idea what it was on about. Uh, no, it's only now I very kind of struggle to understand. Distinctive. It's yeah. like reading yeah. Shakespeare, yeah. reading Setright. Yeah. And I think maybe wonderful writing. His yeah, writing a, a legend. I, I you know, I read yeah. Car from the minute I could read, and I think his writing about that car clearly influenced me. I remember him saying that it was, in effect, a micro-Porsche. If Porsche ever decided to build a city car, this would be it. And I mm. harboured a desire to buy one and take the Suzuki badges off and put Porsche badges on it, <laughs> a little rear engine thing. It would have been beautiful. But here's the thing about this car, which I had no idea about. I've always loved this car. I had no idea until I read about it earlier on today. This car was designed by... My favourite designer is Did you know that? What? No. The Ital design. Really? Yeah. They did the, the Servo, or the Servo, which mm. is the predecessor to that car. And for the UK market, this was basically the second generation. They tipped the, the windshield, the facelifting yeah. version, yeah. Uh, came a bit more upright and tidied it up, but it was basically his design. No wonder I love that car. I love everything Zizharo does. And I'm so pleased that you chose one as well. That's beautiful. Well, there we uh, go. Well, uh, I think that's probably it, isn't that's it? it? Let's just take yeah. a moment to reflect on... He's not dead. Well, we hope... I hope he's not, but the genius of Gigiaro. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed, or as I prefer to call it, the Gigiaro fan club with Zog. Goodbye. And Richard. Goodbye. And Violet Berlin over there. Goodbye. And me over here. See you for the next one. Actually, that's not it. I'm going to play out on a bit of music for you. Here's a little something I cobbled together in the style of the Proclaimers, or in our case, the Reclaimers, for copyright reasons. Considering the fact that the World Rally Championship is staying in Wales, I think it's only fair that the Scots have a shout and they get it back at some point. So this song is called We Want the Rally Back. See ya.
Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs> 